Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. All right, welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. As always, this is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up today. And this is your boy, Pat Lane, with my guy, Matt St. Jean. But not only that, we are joined by a very special guest, the beat reporter from A to Z NFL. It is Sophie Weller. And Sophie, what a day to have you on. I mean, kind of a big day for you guys over there at A to Z uh, Sports, but we're excited to have you on. We had scheduled this before, and uh, and I'm pumped to have you here. So thanks for coming through. Of course. Couldn't have, we, we, I think we knew something was going to happen today. It seems yeah, like see? it, you know? <laughs> Planned it that way. We'll exactly. go with that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. the way it was. You were like, oh, you know what? I'm coming on these guys' show. I should have something big come. Happen yeah, let me, just, let me just play on that, you know? <laughs> yeah, you, you had that in the holster ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. So for those of you that don't know, Sophie is new to the beat this year, uh, worked on the beat a little bit, but first year full time on the beat and already crushing it, making a name for herself, doing a great job over there. And so uh, and so we appreciate it. How is it? Are you enjoying being on the beat? I know you're from Massachusetts. I assume grew up a Patriots fan. And so, uh, you know, are you enjoying being on the beat. Yeah, I- I'm loving it. It's it's been such an amazing opportunity and, you know, to take something like take my love of football and be able to start writing about it. You know, I, I always used to say like, I hate, I hated writing for such a long time, like growing up. And then when I got to college and I learned I could write about sports, I was like, hold on, <laughs> this is a game changer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I definitely found that I like to write about the NFL the most. And I loved writing about the Patriots when I was an intern with Mass Live. So um, I was just really lucky A to Z sports gave me that opportunity to do it. And here I am. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Love it. Also, quick programming note. I assume James is dark blue gold over there. We did get off of Twitch because I figured it was better on X than on Twitch. We only had a few people. Uh, we only had a few people watching on Twitch, so we switched over to X uh, instead of Twitch. So we won't be on Twitch any I longer. Can't you're calling it X, Pat. I can't believe I it. It's what it's called, man. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I mean, it's like you know. It's still Twitter.com. It is Twitter. You're right. That it is true. You are. That is true. It is still Twitter.com. Nevertheless, <laughs> um, so. But anyways, all right, so let's get into – we were going to start with Belichick. But I think before we start with Belichick, we got to get on – we have to we have to talk about – I mean, you are with, we're with the person right now. we got to talk about it. Trent Brown, it certainly sounds like uh, soon-to-be former Patriot Trent Brown uh, gave you an exclusive interview today talking about being very candid about the Malik Cunningham situation – and what's interesting about what he said is that I feel like he echoed a lot of what Patriots fans have been saying. We were saying it on here for months, right? But you don't 
typically hear that coming from a player uh, that's still on the team. And so that was a little eye-opening, I thought, today. Yeah, he was very candid, which, you know, at first was not expecting, but it was great to hear because um, he it started when he posted on Instagram when Malik first left um, with a photo of the initial report on Instagram from Adam Schefter and then said, go flourish where your talent is respected. And that gave an insight into, you know, how he was feeling about this whole situation. I wasn't able to talk to him last week because he was dealing with an illness and some injuries, but he was back in the locker room today and he was willing to talk to me. And I just started asking him some questions about this whole situation, how he felt about it. And it was, it became really clear. Like you don't normally see a practice squad player get that much attention from the active, you know, the active players when they leave or go sign with another team off the practice squad. Malik had everyone saying congrats to him on uh, from the Patriots on uh, Instagram right after it happened. So that was super telling in itself. But then to have Brown kind of add that extra note, kind of dig at the Patriots too. Uh, so that's how that started. And I just really wanted to talk to him about it. And kind of my the first question was just, what was going through your mind when that happened? And he explained that he uh, he thought the Ravens would always be the perfect spot for him because of Lamar, because of the Louisville connections. But when that happened, he was like, you have to go. Yeah. Um, and the last part he said to me is that it's good for him to get a real chance to play his real position, which it's, which obviously the Patriots were using him as, as a wide receiver and giving him some reps at quarterback, but they mainly brought him on to be a receiver. So it's clear his real position is quarterback where he'll be back up to Lamar. Did did Brown like did he seem upset about this stuff giving you these quotes or was it more like uh, I don't know a, a frustration or an apathy? <laughs> I think I think it was just from a standpoint like he liked Malik. He saw a lot of but they all saw a lot of potential in him, mm-hmm. and I think they wanted to see him get a real shot. And clearly, like you know, he was brought up to the active roster in the Patriots for like no time, put back yeah. down all this elevated but didn't get a single snap in the two games he was elevated in before going to the Ravens so they just wanted to see him actually get a shot at like playing quarterback which is what he does yeah and that's really I think where he was coming from was just he's he was upset that they you know with all the offensive struggles that this team has had this season what was the harm in playing Malik really like what was the Harmon giving him a chance. That's what a lot of the fans were saying. And while before no one in the locker room would say it, now clearly someone is. Right. Well, and it's the, really three things for me stu- stood out, right? First of all, the unbelievable scoop by you, which is great. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, when he says everybody on the team did, and then he doubles down and says everybody. Like, He's not saying, oh, I feel this way. No, no, no. He's, he feels like he's speaking for the team, and he's talked to other players about that, right? Like, that's that's legitimate. That's big, right, I feel like. And, you know, I love where he just says, like, my guy couldn't even get a red jersey, which is true. Like, it was obvious watching Malik play wide receiver. He wasn't a wide receiver. It was he obvious. Didn't get us, he didn't get a single catch in the preseason, did he? No, and but you could see him, like, so Edelman – Obviously, Julian Edelman played wide, uh, played uh, you know high school. Uh, Jesus Christ, played uh, quarterback, <laughs> quarterback at Kent State. Right, everyone knows that he came in as a wide receiver. 
he looked the part as a wide receiver. He was not super crisp running routes, but he was like quick as hell. He was like, you could see it. And it was, it wasn't just with the ball in his hands. It was like getting open. You could see it in training camp. Malik was not comfortable running routes. You could see that. And so I just, I thought that, you know, we look at it and say, it didn't make any sense what they did with him. So anyways, him saying not get a red jersey. And then the last, the last sentence of your article, I'm glad he's in a better place. Like my goodness. I mean, that's, if that to me, you know, as I said, if Trent, if Trent wasn't already on the way out, like there it is right there. Like deuces, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah. That one, I, I remember when Malik first signed, they were using him as a wide receiver. You know, we had, we talked with him and everything was about, have you talked to Julian Edelman? Like, what's that been like? Cause you're kind of in a similar situation and he was wanting to make this connection or have this, you know, part two of Julian Edelman, right. who obviously did so much for this team. Malik's not Julian. It wasn't, it's not the same thing. And I think it was almost like they wanted it to be, but he's a quarterback and he's a really good mobile quarterback. Right. Which yeah. is, when I- which for another part is something that I think the Patriots needed because they, you know, went from Tom Brady to Mac Jones and even Bailey Zappi, who are, you know, more in the pocket. Whereas Malik, you we saw in the, that preseason game of the Texans, was moving around and getting getting those first downs, like, in a Lamar-esque style. And that's something mm. this team hasn't seen in years. <laughs> yeah. Only, I mean, the, the best this offense has kind of looked post-Brady was maybe that year with Cam, especially the the good Cam games. The, the bad Cam games were, you know, very, very bad, not, not that far off from what we're seeing right now. But the good Cam games, they looked really good. And I... I didn't have any issue with trying to switch positions for Malik, but I think that Texans game was a point of, all right, let's at least try him as a quarterback from now on and see what this looks like. And and maybe it doesn't turn into anything. He's an undrafted quarterback and those usually don't turn into anything, but that seems to be where he's fitting the best. And um, why they kind of continued to split the difference between the two positions here just didn't, didn't make a lot of sense from what we actually saw on the field. And, uh, that I, I I will kind of trust the coaching staff here and assume okay maybe he just doesn't look that good in practice or he's, do, he's doing things in practice that necessitate this but um, the whole team feels like he was the guy that should have been out there then that kind of pushes back on the idea that there was something in practice we weren't seeing that justified uh, the way that they've they handled them. First, well, I gotta say that when you're talking about a Cam Newton season as the best season this team has had. <laughs> <laughs> that in itself is quite telling about the last few years. Yeah. Um, and I do admit there were the good games, but oh, there were some bad games too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the one, and I'm just going to pull this Paul, Paul C here says, how do you know Cunningham is a good quarterback? We don't, we don't know the Cunningham's a good quarterback. And that's not really the point. We have not gotten good quarterback play all year long. Now, Mac Jones had one really nice drive against Buffalo. He had a few nice throws in the first two games of the season. Bailey Zappi has had a few nice throws. He had a good first half against Pittsburgh. Beyond that, we haven't gotten anything even close to good quarterbacking by anybody on the Patriots this year. And so even if Malik Cunningham isn't a good quarterback, He's going to give you something different. And 
you're not getting good quarterback play right now out of anyone. So what difference does it make if you put him out there? Now, maybe Belichick says, well, screw that. I'm not going to, you know, because then it's, um, you know, Mickey Mouse organization. We're just throwing guys out there. Right. And I, I, to a certain extent, I get that. Right. But like, at least give him a shot, at least in practice, say, you know what? We're just going to commit to him being a quarterback. It's a complete disaster right now. And so let's just commit to Malik being a quarterback. Let's see what happens. And then we can go and then we can figure it out from there, you know? And, you know, and and they never really understood. Like, they never got to know. Can he read it? Because he just asked a question. Can he read a defense? I don't know. But, like, they didn't give him an opportunity to. At least give him the opportunity in practice to do those things. They never did. And so that's the, that's the frustrating part where it's like, well, we don't know if he would have been a good quarterback because – he never got the opportunity to, and that's well, the issue. Well, it also makes me wonder, like, really what this looked like in practice and what the players were seeing, because he didn't get that many reps at quarterback through all right. of this, and probably not many during the regular season here. I mean, it's been some weeks where he gets some, and that's about it. So what's he doing in those reps that's impressing his teammates so much? What's he doing in meetings and in the locker room that's impressing his teammates so much? I'd love to know that. Uh because I think that gives you more insight into the way they view things, the way they view the culture, what they think should be done with this team going forward. And probably also, you know, the value of Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi once they hit the trade yeah. market. If if the whole team is saying, hey, we'd rather take this this undrafted quarterback over either of these guys. Um, it's, it's not going to reflect favorably on them when you're trying to trade them and send them to another team either. <laughs> My thing is that, you know, you've been blown out twice this season, shut out at home twice this season. How are you going to get much worse than that? Like, are we are we really looking at that as like the standard of, oh, well, you know, we don't want to give him a chance because we don't want to make it worse. We're we're already at worse. So right. Give him a shot. We're past worse. I was being nice, I, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I mean, what's the harm in giving him a shot? And it was um, Brown also when I was talking to him today. He had this one one part that really stood out to me. And this was the moment when I was like, wow, he really saw something in Cunningham, which was he called that drive that Cunningham led them to the touchdown against Houston in the preseason. It was only touchdown scored that game. And it was in the fourth quarter, nine minutes left. He called that the most exciting drive of the season. We're in week 16 and that has preseason game one. Right. Fourth quarter has been the most exciting drive this season. Yeah. Trent Brown. And it's hard to argue with him. I mean, again, you could maybe you could go to the Bills game at the end of the game. Outside of that one, it's hard to argue against what he's saying. I, I, the only other play that comes to mind is Brendan Schooler's blocked field goal in there, which right. if, when a blocked field goal is entering the conversation, I think that also tells you a lot about how the season's gone. Yeah, I mean, those are the three plays we're picking from. Right, right there. Pharaoh yeah. Brown, like 80-yard touchdown or whatever. Yeah, that was a good play. That was a good play. But again, I just think I think overall drive, right, is that – and that's kind of the point, you know. And so – and look, again, do do I think that Malik would have come in and been like this savior and the Patriots would have made the playoffs? I'm like, no. I mean, that's crazy to think that, right? But like, again, just the fact that they didn't even – they never even gave him a red jersey. They never even made him a quarterback. Like – I just that that's that's the stuff that's the stuff for me, right? And I will say, and and you know, old man mom says it over here too. Like it, it's not what he said; it's it's the fact that it's Trent Brown saying it. And like 
Trent Brown is a guy that has been lackadaisical in the past, has been readily unavailable for a ton of games because of injury or whatever the case may be, right? So, like, he's not, he hasn't been a reliable player for the Patriots this whole second stint he's had with the Patriots and yeah. hasn't lived up to the contract. And so now you hear this coming from him and you're like, oh, God, you know? And, I, I mean, I did get a quick uh, – on top of the story, I also got a quick health update. I checked with him on that one too just because, I, I mean, when he's out there, you can tell – you know, right. he hasn't been not. reliable, but yeah. but when he's out there, you know he's out there, and he makes a difference for that line. Um, and he's just nursing through the illness last week. Really knocked him out. He was um, he was down really bad from that one, and then he's still nursing this ankle injury that's still bothering him a lot. So he was back at practice, which is a good sign, and especially with Connor McDermott now uh, missing from practice and having been in, injured in that last game. It's either him or Vidarian Lowe. Um, so the hope is that he'll play this week based on him What's being up? out there. <laughs> yeah. Just just for like a little like non uh scoop. Right. No, it's yeah. true. I mean that's Injury you know but, yeah. well I think one of the other things that this kind of highlights to me too is like how good Dante Scarnecchia was at keeping this group united. Because mm-hmm. Trent Brown was when he was acquired in some ways a, a reclamation project that they've done so well with a guy who I think had had some weight issues and locker room issues in San Francisco, despite being an incredibly talented player. And uh, under Skarnecchia, now they got the best out of him, and that helped him win a Super Bowl that year. Uh, And I think, you know, keeping guys bought into the locker room is so important, and especially for a player like that, and it doesn't seem like that's the case anymore. Which I will say, you know, they've had Trent Brown fall out and gotten him to buy back in feels like countless times in his stints here in new england so i don't know if i'm as pessimistic as you guys about the possibility of him coming back i think he's i think he calls it like he sees it but if you talk to him honestly he seems like the kind of guy who you know if you pay him and treat him with respect and tell him what's going on he can buy back into something um i think if you want him to come back you need to make some serious serious changes right you he needs you need to prove to him that it's not going to be a repeat of what they're going through this year, whether that's yeah. drafts, free agent signings, right, co- coaching, who knows? Yeah. But yeah. when well, I need to prove it yeah. to him. Well, and I think it's uh, I kind of the assumption that they are, no matter what happens here, there's going to be big changes made because nobody in this organization wants a repeat of that. I don't think uh, I don't think there's a way they go into next season playing for 2025, even if they, they're not a contender next year. I think the goal is to be a significantly better product on the field. Right. Um, and obviously, right. you know, it remains to be seen if Trent Brown is going to be a part of that. But, yes, it does. Um, we'll see. Yeah. And he we'll might be see. the best tackle hitting free agency this year. So I uh, don't want to be the team trying to replace him despite some of the issues that he brings. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll see. And that's I think that that's kind of – that's the real question, right? Who else becomes available? I, there are some good players that will be available. The question is, do those guys get re-signed? Do they get franchise tagged? If that's the case, then the Patriots might look at it and say, well, it's in our best interest to bring Trent Brown back, even though we don't love the fact that he's not super reliable. But like, if we can get him on a two-year deal and he's the best option that we have because all the other guys we're interested in are gone and we can draft a tackle in the second or third round, now all of a sudden you say, okay, well, that now it makes some more sense to bring him back. But again, 
if Bill Belichick, I mean, to put it pretty simply for me, if Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien are here next year, based on what you heard from Trent Brown in, in your article, I can't imagine that he's coming back to play for Bill Belichick and and, and Bill O'Brien. Just based on the decision-making they did, the offensive coaching, and the way the offense has gone, obviously not happy with it. Clearly, you know, upset about it and is just kind of looking at it saying, yeah, no, I'm all set with that. Um, and so, and look, that might be for the best. It might be for the, for the best for, for Patriots fans. It might be the best for the Patriots. And, you know, and, and so we'll see what happens. But anyways, all right, let's get into, let's get into the other big story of the day. Uh, the other big story of the day was uh, Deflate Gate Part 2, apparently. Um, this one, the Patriots have full deniability about, which is nice. Can't blame the Patriots for this one, although I'm sure Roger Goodell will try. Um, so what he'll, blame Tom, he'll blame Tom. Okay, great. That's a great point. It was all Tom Brady. Um, what for this happened one too. For, those, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, for those of you that don't know or haven't heard, uh, the kicking balls were uh, severely underinflated. For the game on Sunday, um, I think they were around 11 psi when it should be between 12 and a half and 13 and a half, as everyone should know by now. And uh, and so that was on both sides. How that happened, I have absolutely no idea how that happened. Um, but you know, there were complaints from Butker and from uh, and from Ryland and the Patriots special team staff are looking at it like we don't this seems weird they're like a little bit more squishy than normal they don't feel quite right and sure enough they were like a full two pounds uh you know a full two psi um lower than what they should have been um and so they went in fixed it at halftime and wouldn't you know it they came back and the the both the patriots and the chiefs were kicking and punting the ball more effectively in the second half just interesting now I think Mark Daniels tweeted this out that it was almost the exact, I think it was 51 or 53 on Sunday and it was 51 during the Colts game. And it was like 75% humidity, uh, you know, at the, at the Patriots game on Sunday and like 73% at the Colts game. So um, very, very similar conditions. Uh, and so it's almost like the ideal gas law is actually true. And the NFL just didn't, you know, didn't uh, kind of go for it. So I just, Getting, I'm getting flashbacks of all kinds yeah. right now. Listen, hey, at the very <laughs> least, the Patriots can have full deniability, right? And again, they, you know, can maybe they? someone's gonna. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sure some Chiefs fans are sitting there saying, "Oh, the freaking Patriots deflated the balls or whatever." But um, just hilarious, just absolutely hilarious stupidity from this, the NFL on this one. I think from the last time we did this, this means that like invalidates all the results of the season, right? I, I, I think that's the precedent that we set the last time. Is that, is that what happens? It's Tom. Uh, all I know is it was Tom's fault. Yep. You know, yep. According to Goodell, everything was his fault. Blame, blame Brady. I, that's right. Does anybody know. know where he was at one o'clock on, on Sunday? Does he have I an mean, alibi? You know, there is a. Uh, I think we need to get his cell phone and find out. Well, it's more probable than not that Tom Brady was around in the building at some point uh, no, on Sunday. It, this was an insane story and a great, another great scoop by Mark Daniels. I mean, um, it was for this to happen again, and I again with the full deniability. I think what helps is it wasn't just um, Butker who missed; Chad Ryland also missed. Right. So it's you know it affected both teams equally. Um, in that and, case, and I believe it was. Based on his story, I could be wrong, but I believe it was the Patriots who actually pointed it out. Yes, it was. Yeah. To the officials to be like, 
hey, something's not right. So there you go. It's like, okay, we're yeah. not going to like, how can you accuse a team of cheating if they're the ones going to the officials being like, hey, <laughs> something's right. not right here. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's my understanding, right? That like the one team brings their balls for the, for when they're on offense, the other team brings the balls for when they're on offense and the NFL supplies the balls for the kicking right. game. Um, so the fact that those are the ones it's just, I mean, it's negligence and it's, yeah, it's a dumb, like there's just, well, and then you, you get back into the question that I asked from the beginning, right. Of the first deflate gate, which is, did you ever measure the balls before the game started, right? If you don't have, right, if you don't have that initial reading, then all of your results at the end is irrelevant because it doesn't matter what the end result is. You don't know where you started from, right? And so if you just assume that you take the ball out of the – because supposedly they're new balls, I guess, is, is the idea, is that they're brand new balls. So for the K balls at least. All right, you take the balls out. You're like, oh, brand new balls. We don't have to check them. Okay, well, fine, but how are you supposed to know where they're at, right? They're supposed to be between 12 and a half and 13 and a half. What if they're not, right? And yeah. and how could you know that? And then when you bring them in, you're like, wow, this is weird that this one's at 11. Well, you don't know what it started at. Did it start at 11 and a half? You don't know, right? And so it just it, – it's it's crazy yeah. to me uh, that, they, the, that they figured that out. Well, and the PSI also matters a ton more for kicking something than it does for right. throwing something or handing something. Um, especially over the distances. I mean, in the, the Mark Daniels article, he talked about the Chiefs picking up on something right away because the opening kickoff was way shorter than Butker usually kicks it, like five yards or, or more. And like, right. all right, this is this is an area where it actually will affect the game. Like a, a 45 to 7 blowout or whatever it was, where all the yards come on the ground, the football is not affecting the result of that one. But one like this, where you know you get missed kicks on both sides, and it's affecting kickoffs and punts. Uh, I don't think that's like the difference here. But for like a more important game, yeah, right. that could be the difference. And if it happened in this one, it does make me wonder if they're sloppy about this. Is it happening in other games? Is this just an issue where K balls are all over the place? Because if I were an NFL team, I'd want to know that. Hey, when my kicker goes out there, he's going to have a ball that he knows uh, what it's going to do. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was um, Mark wrote that it was uh, Bucker has hit eighty seven point one percent of his of his kickoffs for touchbacks. So right then and there, they knew like something's not right. Yeah, three yards short of yeah. Right, and they compounded the something is not right by calling a questionable hold on said kickoff return. You need another podcast for that topic. Oh man, that's <laughs> but that's we, we know, did that one on Sunday. Oh. We did, yeah, we did already talk about it. Uh, you know what? I just think it's it becomes this issue with the NFL where like you have these rules that are set in place, and you have all of these regulations, and you've regulated all of this stuff, and you're litigating all of it, and you're this is a huge deal, and this is that, and then it's not. Right then, they then what they actually do is they don't care about it at all, and they treat it as if it's a joke. And it's like, well, what? Like, either you care about it and it's really important, or you don't care about it and it's a joke. Like, it just you can't have it both ways from the NFL, and they do it all the time, and it drives you insane because you're like, well, how do you? What are we trying to do here? What are we accomplishing by litigating all of this stuff? And and it just it becomes very frustrating when you see kind of a little peek behind the curtain. And you're like, these guys aren't doing their job. Or, I don't know, they are doing their job, and the ideal gas law, I guess, plays into it. But again, the ideal gas law is fine. But 
if if the if the first sign of it was the opening kickoff, the ideal gas law isn't instantaneous, right? So like you have to think that those balls were underinflated at the beginning of the game, and they just never checked them. And so it's just like the amount of negligence that comes into that, especially when you made such a big deal about the PSI of footballs, is insane to me. We got Trent Brown and, you know, the de- deflate gate part two all in one day. This team's really <sighs> falling apart. What a day. We're throwing it what back to the, the 2018 and 2014 teams right there. Listen, I mean, this is like between between this, I mean, this isn't anything, but between this and then the Bears where it's like what their defensive coordinator like just quit and then like, you know, they were talking about the FBI rating, which of course didn't happen, but like all that happened in one week. Then something else happened to the Bears that one week too, and I forget what it was. And the Bills come out and, you know, Sean McDermott's talking about terrorists and like <laughs> all this other stuff. And the GM is talking about, well, you know, we don't really know what yeah, – it's tough when Vaughn Miller gets in situations like that. Like, no, he beat his wife, dude. Like, what are we talking about? So, anyways, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we're not the only team to have suffered from crazy stuff happening. But when you're 3-11 and 11 on top of that, it certainly doesn't help. Um, it certainly doesn't help make it look more like a – less like a clown show, you know? Yeah, it's tough. Well, and, and and any story that's out of the norm too is always going to get you know. If you're a bad team, then all of a sudden, whatever the thing that's out of the norm is, that's the bad thing. And same if you're a good team. I always I always go back to that 2012 Red Sox team with what was it the the beer and wings in the clubhouse or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was. Yeah. If they were winning that whole time, that story would have been about how there was so much team camaraderie and they'd all hang out and do that during games. Like right. it's. It sets the tone for all of the stories that are going to come 100%. Out. Yep, that's the way it works. All right, so the last question for you. Now, you, obviously, I'm not asking you an informed opinion. You don't have any sources on that. We well, might have sources, but you don't. I'm not asking for, for, for a sourced opinion on this. Do you think Bill Belichick will be the head coach? Forget about GM. Do you think Bill Belichick will be the head coach of the New England Patriots next year? That one's tough, so... It's it's hard for me to answer. I have my opinion on what should happen. Going on a happen. graphic, Sophie. It's going yeah, on a I know, graphic, right? So, no. right. Um, <laughs> I have my opinion on what should happen. As a head coach, I think he should still be the head coach of the New England Patriots. As a GM, that's where I think things need to change. That's where this team has really taken a decline in recent years. But every player or analyst or anything that's been asked about this subject, they're all like, this is the craziest thing that we're talking about, Bill Belichick, possibly, like, Right. You know, for lack of a better term, being fired. Yeah. Because this man, you know, helped the Patriots win six Super Bowl championships and build a dynasty. And I, I think he's still one of the one, if not the greatest coach in the NFL. I and I think that as a defensive mind, you're not going to get anyone better. I mean, look at the Patriots' defense this year. Besides some, you know, those two blowout losses, yeah. defense has been pretty solid. They, they've had a good showing, and those players have stepped up where the offense hasn't been able to. And so because of that, I think that as a – you know, if you – would, whether it's Bill O'Brien or whoever is leading that offense next year and with the draft picks, with solid free agent pick, you know, signings, anything of that matter, I think he could still take this team and get them back to playoffs if he has the team, but he needs help in the GM department because the drafting is not what it needs to be. Yeah. Do you, do you think the crafts are going to see it that way um, based on like, your read of things, or do you think they're just going to pull the plug? 
every report is different right now. I mean, you know, you have one report <laughs> right. that says he's, you know, he's out. And then the next report says, oh, well, the crafts haven't made up their mind. I genuinely think each day it's changing. I, I yeah. don't think any official decision, I mean, this is my opinion, but I don't think any official decision has been made. I, I think you know, that there's still three games left. And even after that, I think it was um, Ian Rappaport who said, like, it's not going to be like that, like, you know, firing the next day after the regular season's over. I think this is going to be something that they're going to sit down with the, the crafts themselves, with whether it's with Bill, without Bill, but like they're going to talk about and have to figure this out because if they're going to bring someone in, what happens if next year the same stuff happens? Right. And right. you just let go of arguably the best coach in the history of the NFL. Well, so, that's, yeah. You know, that's it's a, it's a great point. I mean, look, you talk about how good the defense has played, right? They've played 14 games. Their offense is one of the worst offenses in the league, and yet 10 of their games have been within one score, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, they've gotten blown out twice. They lost by 14 to Miami. They lost by 10 to to um, to Kansas City this, this past weekend, right? And so you look at it and say they're not getting blown out really at all, and and they're, they're all pretty close games, which were the terrible offense and – also, by the way, they're not scoring a billion points on defense like they were in 2021, right? Or even last year, they scored. Uh, you know, they they turned the ball over a bunch and set the offense up. They're not doing that as much with the defense, but the defense is no playing defensive so scores well. this year, right? Right. The defense is playing so well that it's you know it's bringing them, it's keeping them in games. The big thing for me, and this is uh, my take, has evolved on this. And it's and it's a ridiculous take, but I love it anyways because I'm so I, obviously a Patriots fan. Been a Patriots fan my whole life, season ticket holder. Like I, you know, love the Patriots, but I am getting to the point where I cannot stand Patriots fans. They drive me completely <laughs> insane, and like they don't deserve Bill Belichick anymore. Like I'm all set. Like, <laughs> you don't deserve Bill Belichick. I want him to go somewhere else and win a Super Bowl because all I hear from Patriots fans now is. Bill's washed and he was never good in the first place and it was all Brady and blah, blah, blah. It's all here. And I'm like, wait a second. The guy's the greatest coach of all time. Like, sure, Tom Brady. We don't win without Tom Brady. I get that. But, like, we also didn't win every game 65 to 62. Like, it's not – that's not how it worked, right? And so, for me, I would love nothing more than for him to get – trade him somewhere else. Sure, trade him to to Washington for their – whatever second round pick this year whatever it is whatever okay trade him somewhere he goes there and he wins and maybe he doesn't win a super bowl right away but you know i i I want him to win and really win and take a team that was outside of the playoffs this year and bring them into the playoffs and make them competitive in a year or two and if that's the case then i can just sit back and say oh you thought it was all brady Belichick now proved to you that it was just as much Belichick. And again, Bill would be pissed. If Bill was sitting here, he'd be pissed at me for saying, for even like mentioning him in the same sentence with Tom Brady. Like he said over and over and over again that players win games and coaches coach and the players are responsible for all the wins, but they don't win six Super Bowls without Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Period. Like that's, and for anyone to think differently is ridiculous. And now the fact that Patriots fans are getting to the point where they're thinking differently is really grinding my gears, as Peter Griffin would say, and I'm and I'm ready for him to move on and prove everyone wrong, and that's what I want to happen. If he was really here, though, I will say he'll he would just sit here with like a stone face and say, <laughs> "We're on to Denver. 
Right. <laughs> Every answer I can guess is either like we're on to Denver yeah. or. Oh yeah. That's well, right. yeah. Truth, we're, we're just we're just we're just trying to play good football. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I do I do what I think is best for the team. That's yeah. good. Now, did you? Yeah, I do. At those those interviews got to be so. They got to be so like. I assume you've asked him a question or two. Is it like, is it like daunting to be like, so Bill, uh, you know, what, what's going on? Like, I feel like I'd be crafting my questions to try to like ask him a relevant question, but also like bring up the history of the last like 75 years. So he'll actually like give me an answer as opposed to just like, yeah, no, we, we'll talk about, you know, we'll talk about guys that are on the team or talk about, you know, the, the next game or whatever the case may be give him a chance to name drop like 70 people and he's happy as can be. Um, No, I mean, at first definitely it was nerve nerve wracking to ask him a question. Um, But now, you know, even when I can guess the answer, it's kind of like that thing where people are like, well, why did you ask that question? You know, he wasn't going to answer, but that's our jobs is, you know, half the time right covering this team is writing about Bill Belichick's non answers. Um, But that's what we got to do because, you know, half the time that's more telling than anything else. And, you know, with that, I also will say whether it's just me or whatever, I do try to have a little fun. If like, I can tell he's in a good mood one day. Um, like the other day he came in and asked if everyone had their Christmas shopping done. And I said, what about you? Yeah. Goes, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> or I asked him about like elf on the shelf, you know, like just things like that, where it's yeah. like, you know, yes, interviewing him can be hard, but like he, he, he's fun. He, you know, you can have your days where he's in a good mood and you're getting some fun. Yeah. Right. Uh, when, him. when it's pretty, it, it seems I've watched a lot of Bill press conferences in my day. I've never, never been in one. So I'm a little jealous there, but he does seem fairly consistent in that. Like he's not gonna, he's never going to give a quote that could really ever be considered like talking negative about his players or right. negative about the opponent's players. So he's just very reserved. And if you, so if you ask questions about things that aren't necessarily relevant to this week or this season, He's usually pretty eloquent and he'll go on about stuff. Um, it doesn't have to be like some super historical thing either. But um, yeah, he's just he's never going to give a quote, which is why I was so surprised to see him talk, mention Bailey Zappi in their fourth down decision making this week, yeah. specifically calling him out as a reason why they didn't go for it more often. And that I think brings us full circle back around to the Malik Cunningham of it all of you got a quarterback there who you don't trust in those decisions and you got a quarterback who apparently uh, everybody thinks should be playing and people do have confidence in then what's going on what's the disconnect I'd, I'd love to find out what the answer is because I think I think there are valid answers there that could make sense but I'd, I'd be curious yeah I mean every time we asked Bill about the Malik situation it was always you know I did what I thought was best for the team and things of that nature you know that one will never be, you know, we'll never get a deep insight into what happened there. Um, But like, you know, if you watch like college game day when army Navy was at, uh, when was at Gillette, like he's like a funny guy, like he can sit there and he can hold a conversation and be like really funny and stuff. And you get glimpses of that every once in a while in these press conferences when, but you know, it's not asking like football related questions or it's asking like a fun football question where it's not like, what's your job status or how do you feel about it all? Uh, so it kind of just depends, but you know, with a three and 10 team, my motto is like, you know, I ask the questions I have to ask, but also like, why not have a little fun with it? Yeah. Yeah, you should. 
You should. I think it goes. I, honestly, I think it goes a long way. Like I'm, three, you know, I'm three and eleven I'm, team, three and eleven team. I think. Yes, I know. I'm, I was going to correct you, sorry. and I decided not to. I was like, we'll just let it. We'll let it be for now. Um, no, but I'm a teacher, and I feel the same way. Like I, I'm a math teacher. I teach math, but like if I'm just standing up there talking about math all day, and that's all I talk to my kids about all day long, it's pretty damn boring for me and for them, right? And so, have a little bit of fun with it, and do some interesting things, and like. You know, make it is your job, just like it's their job to have to talk to you every day. And you're there and it's like, let's make it a little bit fun. And you can hear those things. And I think that that's people appreciate that. Right. And I think that, you know, it's it's not it can get very monotonous. Right. And so that's a way to break up the monotony a little bit. And I think I think it goes it goes a long way, you know. So I'll check with, I'll check with him on Friday if he got his Christmas shopping done. See, there you go. Right. I'll, cir I'll circle back around. Don't worry. Yeah. There you go. That see, that's that's what we that's what we really want to know, right? That's what we really want to know. Like, <laughs> Those are the you know. forget about the coaching rumors and yeah. you know Malik Cunningham, all that. We want to know if Bill Belichick has his uh, Christmas shopping done. That's it. That's all we care about. <laughs> that, right? that is big, big J journalism right there. That's right. That's right. So, all right. I think it's a great time to uh, to to let you go, Sophie. We have this has been great. This has been great. We really enjoyed having you come on. Um, you're killing it over there in Foxborough and, uh, and we're really happy to see you, you know, kind of continue to grow and, you know, you're a lot, well, you know, you're not that much younger than Matt, but you're significantly younger than me and you're crushing it. So, um, that's awesome. But before you go, you have to tell everyone where they can read you and maybe see you or hear you or, or whatever the case may be as well. Well, first you guys are crushing it too. I love the podcast and thank you all for having me on. It was really fun. Uh, you can find me. I'm on Twitter right there on the bottom of the screen is my bio. Um, that's where I post, you know, 90% of my random thoughts or stories <laughs> or Bill Belichick, you know, quotes as we talked about, cause you know, he says such different things every yeah. time. Um, <laughs> but no, so yeah, you can always find me on there. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I think it's really interesting because I, I saw your handle and I was like, that's so cool that it's like, Sophie Weller with two E's, two L's, and two R's. And I'm like, I like that. It's like it different. You know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah I, I don't even remember. what. Like it, it was so long ago that I was just like, I think, you know, Sophie Weller with like one E, one R was already taken. I was like, let's just, you know, change it all yeah, up. mix it up. What the heck, right? Yeah. So the, the I classic like thing for people our age of just adding letters to your name until the username is no longer taken. Yep. Oh my God. I've never heard something more accurate in my life. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's the way it goes, man. So that's funny. But Life in the guys. digital age, right? Hey, thank you Sophie, so much. We appreciate it. And, uh, and should, we'll, uh, should we we'll go to a definitely... break now, Pat? Yeah, we're going to, we'll get to an ad break uh, as soon as we let Sophie go, but we'll definitely have to have Sophie on again. Uh, Sophie on again. I'm sorry. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, and we'll have to do it again. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. Take care. We'll see you soon. All right. All right. Let's get into an ad break, and then we'll be right back. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. MA21 Plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. 
$5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expired seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, that was a lot of fun. That was a uh, great little interview there. Sophie's crushing it over there, and um, and she's a lot of fun to talk to. So that was a lot of fun. Um, all right, two things I think we I want to get into. First of all, we never touched on the J.C. Jackson issue um, on Sunday, and actually turns out that it's kind of good that we didn't because you got a little bit more information. Uh, I think Monday morning or Sunday night. Um, from his agent saying that he's going through some mental health things right now. Um, I believe he was put on the reserve uh, slash injured list. So his season's probably over. Uh, maybe not, but his season seems to be over. I'm not sure what it is that's going on. I don't think it really matters what it is that's going on. Um, clearly something is, is going on with him. Um, and whatever it is, you hope that he's able to figure it out. Obviously, based on Alex Austin's comments after the game, it was something that happened what looks like like right before uh the start of the game and someone said something in the night yeah something about like his jersey didn't fit right or something and you know and and who knows if that's even true um but you know but then he just like took off essentially um and so clearly if if that was the case the jersey isn't the issue right and it was just some sort of precipitating thing uh that happened kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back as it were yeah and it's um I don't. Know, I, I. I think clearly whatever it was had to have happened in those ninety minutes between the inactive list getting right. put out there and everything. Um, I think the flip side of this is Alex Austin getting put in that situation. I mean, how many times this year have the Patriots had to fully adjust their cornerback plan? You have to right. do it at mid-game in Week Two against Miami because of the injuries you get, and yeah. you got to do it again after the Dallas game when Christian Gonzalez gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And then you got to do it uh, immediately mid game again in this one. And that's three times where you got to make some real serious changes to your team on the fly. And you could even argue with Jonathan Jones going out right before week one, that that was right. part of that as well. So the defense adjusting and playing as well as it did, I think was impressive. Alex Austin was up and down, but yeah. for a guy asked to do that, I mean, I think he was, as good as anybody could have reasonably expected. And then we'll probably get an extended look at him here at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, they brought him in for a reason. And so let's see if the kid can play. And if he can, then he could be a, you know, a guy that's corner depth for them next year. I think JC Jackson was a guy that was never going to be on the roster next year. Anyways, his cap hit was way too high for him to be on the roster. And so obviously you hope he figures things out in his personal life. Um, but even if assuming that he does and he's ready to play football next year, unless he's taking a significant pay cut, you'd be surprised if he's doing that here in New England. Oh, yeah. And I, I think when the trade was made, it was clearly let's get an actual body in here for right. a cheap, cheap draft pick. Mm-hmm. Now that Gonzalez is gone to try to salvage this. And, you know, it's there's a lot of ways the corner room can go for next year. But I don't really see J, J.C. Jackson in their plans there. 
pretty no. much no matter what, especially because they seem to like Sean Wade at least enough to keep him around. And Alec, even though he's already been jumped by Alex Austin on the depth chart, but they also obviously like to some degree. And you got Marcus Jones and Christian Gonzalez. And Jonathan Jones is under contract. And uh, Miles Bryant is a free agent, but he's played well. Yeah. So between all those guys, I'm not sure how many snaps are available. And wouldn't I also wouldn't be shocked if they draft another corner somewhere in the middle of the draft next year. And just there's no reason to pay $15 million or whatever it is to no. J.C. Jackson to have him be a rotational corner on your team next year, especially with the way he's played. Well, and no dead cap either because you traded for him, right? And so it's like, why, you know, then it then it's no no brain. Thank you, that. Tom. To- thank you, Tom Telesco. Yep, exactly. So, um, <laughs> all right. So, the other thing I really wanted to talk to you about was, and we we talked about mock drafts. We didn't really get into mock drafts as much, but I've had this kind of working theory in mock drafts, and I've come around a little bit because, um. I've thought about, you know, so we talk, obviously now we talk about Trent Brown, probably not coming back, right? So now you wonder, okay, do you need a tackle at the top of the draft, right? I know Murph loves Joe Walt. Uh, Joe Walt's a great player. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you like the, the kid Olu Fashanu from, from Penn State. There are good players out there, obviously. But I, I just think quarterback or wide receiver at the top of the draft is really where you get those real impact players. And so my thought was, okay, love Caleb Williams, assuming Caleb Williams goes number one. I like Drake May, but I I don't know if he's a game. What if, and hear me out now, maybe it's crazy. Mm -hmm. What if you drafted Marvin Harrison Jr. at number two, and at number 34, you drafted Quarterback from the University of Texas, Quinn Ewers. I think that's far too high for Ewers, quite honestly. I know. I know you do, and I know people are going to say that, and I understand that, but I mean, also, I listened to a podcast with Colt McCoy this, today, so it's like a little bit of, you know, he's, talk, he's talking up his guy, obviously, but the skill is there, the athleticism is there, the arm talent is there. And so what if he puts on a show? What if he goes up against, uh, you know, Washington and puts on a show and wins that game and then goes into the national championship game against, you know, Alabama or Michigan, right? Probably Michigan, Michigan, right? You would think uh, for you, obviously. I would hope. So, you know, and, and win or lose plays really well against a really, really good defense. And so, you know, I don't know. Now, Don says Malik Murphy's transferring from Texas suggests you were likely isn't coming out, but Arch Manning, Manning too. Arch Manning didn't transfer out of Texas. So, yeah. you know, Arch Manning could be the one staying, and, and Malik Murphy is leaving because Arch Manning's going to be the quarterback next year, right? And so um, I know that Arch took a redshirt year, but you have to think. I mean, it's Arch Manning, for God's sakes. He's, like, yeah. you know, you I have think, to think he's going to start I think next viewers. year. I think Ewers comes out. I just still have questions there, and I think second, I, I, I think you can get a tackle in the high second with right. some of the guys that are there this year. And right. uh, I'd be more likely, as much as it pains me to say, take wide receiver last because I think it might be one of the most important positions right now. Yeah, I think if you were to start this draft with QB, offensive tackle, wide receiver, wide receiver, 
you just take two guys on the end of day three, end of day two, start of day three at receiver. That is probably a, a, your best strategy here for getting all of those spots. You just you need to get the right prospects, um, right? And, and finding guys at those spots can be a little bit difficult. There's a couple tackles at the top of the second round right now in mock drafts that I like. Kid from Washington, kid from Arizona are the two that stand out. Who I think could at least be developmental guys. And you know, you know what I'll, I will say about Trent Brown if you bring him back? He's almost the ideal guy when you're trying to develop somebody because when he's out there, he's elite, and you also know he's going to miss time at some point, and your young guys are going to get to play. That's true. That's a good point. That's a great point. <laughs> um, you know, and look, I, look, I'm just I'm just spitballing here with Quinn Ewers, and I know that, that he's a flawed prospect, and he's probably not going to go as high as 34, but, um, you know, I, I want someone that has – that crazy arm talent, that crazy athleticism. And I don't know if he has the crazy athleticism, certainly not like a guy with Jaden Daniels or, or anything like that, but the arm talent mixed with the athleticism is, is, is what excites me about a guy like yours. He was such a high draft, uh, such a high prospect coming out. Of course he had to move around a little bit and kind of, you know, find his own way and everything like that. But, but I do think that, you know, I think it would be interesting to see what happens and, and look, maybe you draft, a tackle in the first, a wide receiver in the second, and Quinn Ewers in the third, or or whatever the case may be, right? And mm-hmm. old man mom mentions, you know, signing a guy like Baker or Tannehill. Tannehill, I'm 100% out on Tannehill, but but you want to, you know, you tell me that you're going to sign Baker Mayfield to a two-year deal? Um, You know, I I don't know. I think that that's, that is an interesting way to look at it. Um, And so, and so we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. So I'm just... It's it's tough to replace. I mean, we're look right now. We're talking about replacing a QB one, a wide receiver one, and a left tackle one all right. at the same time. And yeah, it's hard. If if that's the world we're living in, this is going to be a real multi year thing. And you got to nail all three of those in a row. Like it's mm-hmm. we know how hard it is to find one of those, and you got to get all three at a high level in quick order here. So right. we'll see well, if we're able why, to do it. Yeah, that's yeah. why I think. You'd sign a tackle in free agency, whether it's Trent Brown or someone else. You go out and get a guy that's a proven player already and go from there. Tyron Smith is probably the only other name up there who might be in that tier. And yep. you know, he's older, but if we're if we're talking about a bridge guy, if it's a guy who's the line will be good this year, we take the can down the road a year and address it in the draft, then I have no issues with that. Yeah, you know, it's you're going to have to do this on the fly to a degree and. There's going to have to be a certain good enough attitude for next year because you're not fixing it all. You got to get good enough without sacrificing your future and, you know, take one or two steps up here and then build off of that. Right. Right. And that's really what it comes down to, right? Is that, you know, what is it going to look like? I mean, Mackay Beckton's a guy, Austin Jackson, Donovan Smith's too old for me, but even a guy like Jonah Williams, who, you know, I know has kind of gone in and out of favor um, in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. but. You know, I just think I think there are guys out there that are similar to the level of Trent Brown, right? And so, um, you know, and we can kind of we can kind of go from there. Donovan Smith, to me, oh my mom just asked about him as I was talking about him. He's just old, and he's just not as good as he yeah. used to be. Um, and so, you know, he's a guy that I wouldn't mind having on the team. I don't know if I'd want him being the full time starter every day at left tackle. Yeah, and it's if we're talking about not sure if you want the guy to be the full time starter, then how much do we want to pay him? Right, and then you and then you know we're almost we're in Riley Reef territory at that point. Correct. Uh, 
Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the one thing they can't afford to do this year is do what they did last year, which is take a shot on two guys that aren't really proven players and not draft anyone in replace. Right. And again, we can make the argument, and I did for a while, that City So was the right tackle they drafted. They announced him as a tackle. They started him at tackle. They wanted him to play tackle. He's Perhaps not a tackle. tackle. Yeah. He's a guard. But, right? he, he, but he, does, a guard. He, he does solve your tackle issue, though, because you move on when you over. Correct. So it's yes. still, you still get there. You just, not the way you thought you would. Well, what's uh, frustrating is that they didn't do that in the first place. They needed disaster to strike and for them to look at a complete, an abhorrent mess to move Michael Wonder to right tackle. It should have never come to that. Michael Wonder should have been playing tackle really since his rookie year when he looked great at right tackle. He should have stayed there. There's no reason to move him inside. Um, and so, you know, it, I thought we got a little too cute with that and there was no need to do that. So it's, it's, there's, that's the pattern here in the bill. They have the end. It's, this is going to be near the end of the bill era, no matter what they do this offseason, just with his age. Um, yeah. A lot of moments where in the past we'd say, wow, Bill's playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. And, um, you know, it, it seems to just be tilting the other direction, doing things where usually people are going to go, wow, I can't believe he did that. And then it works. And now it's just not not working. Yeah. And that's the hardest part is that in some ways it's not it's not different from the approach he had before. It just stopped working. So did it stop working because the league changed? Did it stop working because he got worse at it? Or was this always a high risk thing and he got lucky before and he's not getting lucky now? I don't. I don't have an answer right. for you on that one, and I don't think I don't think you ever do get an answer. It's small no. sample sizes. You can you can read into yeah. it whatever you want to read into it. <laughs> and I also think too that part of it is that he had Brady, and Brady could cover up some of those deficiencies yeah. until he was able to figure it out. Right. Two thousand six is a good example. Two thousand six, they drafted a wide receiver in the in the second round. Stinks. Right. And Chad Jackson can't play. They sign Rishi Caldwell. Can't really play that well. They trade Deion Branch, which I will go to my grave saying that that was a great trade. Um, but, like, they bring in guys. They brought in Jabbar Gaffney. They brought in guys that they thought could play, that could do enough. And they tried to draft the number one wide receiver, and it didn't work. And so they still made it to the AFC Championship game. They lost in the AFC Championship game, but they still made it there. Why did they make it there? Because they had Tom Brady and they had an elite defense. Well, And then, and then so they adjust after it too. That's what I'm saying. And then 07 comes around and they bring in Moss and they bring in Welker and they bring in Dante Stallworth and they, you know, and so, and then they go crazy with it. Right. And so they realize that we have to fix it and they fix it. Now they still don't want a Super Bowl for another, you know, however, however many years, but they go undefeated and make the Super Bowl. Right. And so, yeah. and I think that that 08 team would have, you know, been competing deep into the playoffs, if not for Brady getting hurt on, on opening day. So, you know, it just it is what it is, but that's to me, Brady kind of uh kind of covered up some of those things, you know. And the and argument that I you know, yeah. So but we'll see. But that, that's not the only reason. And I do agree with you. If you take high risks, at some point those risks aren't gonna pay off. Yeah. And when the rest of your team isn't strong around you, when you don't have a guy that makes everybody better. I mean, you know. Tom Brady made everyone better too, right? Like Campbell Tompkins, not a great wide receiver, but he had a few, he had a good year or two here in New England because Brady elevated the way he played, right? And so then you see him, that's why a lot of guys when they left here didn't perform as well because you were in a more difficult situation. 
than you were when you were yeah. here in New England, you know? And so um, now you're in that more difficult situation here and things aren't going as well for you, right? And, and that's kind and, of everyone. Yeah. Well, and the other part of this is one of the one of the ways out of something like this is that you have to take a high risk chance and have it yeah. go in your favor. And right. I actually kind of think we saw this year that the Patriots did. I think Christian Barmore was in some ways that guy who was a boom yeah. or bust prospect and mm-hmm. he is booming fantastically this year. It's just the issue is you got to unlock in other ways for that to really be the difference maker for you in terms of wins and losses. Um, and you've just had, you know, a couple too many misses in that area and really yeah. no hits. You've had some guys who turn out okay. Like Josh Uche is kind of in that range of uh, you think he's going to be a boom or bust guy and he just settles somewhere in the middle. He's a, he's a decent player and, uh, you know, Josh Uche could be a, a, a rotational player on a championship team 100%, but he's also, I don't know if he's going to be more than that at this point in his career from what we've seen. And you need to get some of those elite players. You're just, you're not going to win Super Bowls with that elite player somewhere on the, on your team. And right. how many do the Patriots have? Yeah, not many, not many. And so that's kind of where they're at right now. So, and my, my big thing, and we've talked about this on here before, so I don't want to get too far into it, but Sophie was talking about, and Sophie can't, I mean, in, in, in her defense, well, however she feels, she can't be a hundred percent candid about it. She does have to be in the locker room with these guys all day, right? Yes. And we all know that Bill is, you know, a loyal listener to the Patriot Nation podcast, and so he will be listening. So she can't really say what she thinks about Bill Belichick, because um, she knows he's listening, right? So, um, but I will say the hard thing for me, if you want to move away from him as GM, and he's still here in the building, that to me just seems like a losing proposition. I don't know how you're going to get guys to respect the fact. And look, I get it. But even even with the best intentions, I just don't know how people are going to stop treating him like the guy that makes the final decision, even if he isn't the guy that makes the final decision. I think there I think there are ways to do that. And it's just, you know, you got to It's got to come from craft. The tone has to be reset and you need buy in from Bill. And I will say. This is different from 2000. This isn't a new coach getting hired and saying, hey, I know you like me. This is the the terms of which I would do this job. Right. Um, this is somebody who is kind of getting, might be presented with an option of you either stay with reduced stuff or yep. you're going to be somewhere else. And, you know, we don't know what other teams are going to value Bill as here for his GM capabilities. Not not crazy to think that he hits the trade market here, and the only jobs open for him are just head coaching job. There isn't an owner that's like, we want you to be the GM too. And if that's that, Bill might not want to take that risk. Bill might say, I like the relationships here, and I understand why people are upset. I understand that I'm getting older, and this is going to happen at some point, and I can buy into a world where I don't get the final say anymore. And his stipulation might just be, hey, let's let's have it be somebody I'm comfortable working with, and then as part of that. You need craft to lay down the law behind the scenes of, yeah. hey, this is how it's going to work and enforcing that um, so that that's there. I, I think it's it, it can be doable. It's plausible that it's doable. We'll obviously have to see how Belichick feels after the season and uh, see what the right. timeline is here. No, I, yeah, I just, and you're not wrong. I just the, the hardest part for me is that even if with the best of intentions, right? 
because he's been the guy for so long, it's difficult to ask the guys that have been here to not have him be. You know what I mean? Like so that that's the hard part for me, right? Um and so you know, I think if you're doing this, it's gotta come with some other changes behind the scenes as well. It has to be clear you're right. from a behind the scenes, you know, management organizational perspective that things are different. That this yeah. is the, the new that basically the post Bill Belichick era starts now. We're just starting it with the first head coach of that era still being Bill Belichick. But it right. is a new era. That's how you have to set the tone on that. Uh, I don't think it's impossible. Um, yeah. We'll just have to see the way. And I think there's... Uh, yeah, I, Old Man Mob also says, uh, by the way, people don't understand or realize if, yeah. if Bill goes, he's taking 90% of the coaching staff. I don't know if he takes all of it. Um, in part because I think if Mayo might stay. But we'd have to see... You know, his sons, where they go, I would assume they're going to follow him as long as he's in the league. And, you know, we'll see how much of the the offensive staff follows him. I'm not so much worried about the offensive staff or the special team staff leaving after what we've seen this past season. The defensive staff is tough, and I would love to keep as much of that intact as possible with how they've done. And I think a lot of that would leave if he goes. Yeah, I agree with you. And look, I think the big thing for me is that well, first of all, the Mayo stuff, I, I just think, is ridiculous. And I don't know if he's really rubbing people the wrong way. I don't know what's going on. The hard thing is that it could be one person saying that. One person might get rubbed the wrong way once by Gerard Mayo. And then they, in turn, come out and say something to you know a reporter, and then the reporter reports it. I don't know how many guys are really, you know, and look, I don't know. Who knows, right? Maybe Gerard Mayo is, but I find that hard to believe. Maybe it's true. I just find it hard to believe. So fine. But, you know, I just, I didn't love the way that came out. Um, it felt kind of weird that it came out that way. And maybe it wasn't, maybe, you know, maybe there's nothing malicious behind it or whatever. It just felt strange the way it came out. Um and I'll kind of leave it at that. I don't want. To, I don't want to go any further into into how I feel about that. But nevertheless, I just thought I didn't. I didn't like the way that came out. Um, and so, so we'll just see. Uh, you know, and I don't know who's going to take with him. You know, is it going to be his his kids? I assume will go with him. Although uh, Dark Bugold says it leave his son behind, which I think is kind of funny. But um, but you know, it's just I don't know. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Um, but. You know, it becomes that issue of if you start over, are you getting a better coach? Are you going to find a better coach than Bill Belichick that's available to you right now? The answer to that question is probably no, right? You're not going to find the greatest coach of all time. Now, the question is, are you doing what Bill Belichick has done his whole career here in New England and cutting bait a year too early? Okay, you're cutting bait too early. Can he still coach? Yep. Is the GM stuff kind of lacked? Yep. But, like, can we try to make it work with him as the head coach and a different GM here? Sure. Let's try that out. Instead of doing that, you're moving on right away, which is something – which is ironic because it's something that Bill Belichick would have done um, and has done over and over and over again here. So, um, again, I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but I do think that, you know, everything right now is – should be and I, and I think is on the table. 
Yeah, I would agree there. And I, the other thing we've been saying is we're, I don't know, three weeks from getting our answer here, I think. I know they're saying that it's, you know, it's not going to happen immediately. But I also think a lack of a decision is a decision. Like Bill Belichick right. is under contract for next year. Right. And if we go a week past the season and there aren't even rumors about what's going on, that kind of gives you a well, bit of an answer, I think. Right. Guys <laughs> are going to be getting hired. Like it's just not, you know, like that. that's the other part of it is that if you really do believe that you want to move on, you you have to start it right away because then guys are going to be going on, you know, they're going to be going on uh, on interviews, and mm-hmm. you're going to be hiring guys before the the official end of the season. And so, if you wait and don't make your decision yet, that's where it becomes an issue. Where it's like, well, now it's too late. Now you you're picking off the scrap heap, and you don't want to be doing that. You know, so you got to make your decision right away. And again, it doesn't have to be on on Black Monday, right? But it needs to be, you know, fairly soon after, so that you can make a decision about who you want to replace him. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, all right, I, this is a good show, man. We we actually we tightened it up a little bit, which is nice. It was nice having a third person on. Um, all right, let's get into our our final segments. As I did say to Sophie, um, I caught up. Caught up a little bit, gained a little ground, um, gained a little ground with in our uh, in our prop bets. So just to just to recap, last week my prop bets were I had Justin Jefferson first TD scorer and Russell Wilson over two hundred seventeen point five passing yards. Russell Wilson threw for like two hundred and twenty one passing yards. I mean it was right there, but he did hit the over, uh, and so I got it. You had originally had uh, a Josh Jacobs anytime touchdown. Which is ironic because play. everyone else scored a touchdown for the Raiders <laughs> except for Josh Jacobs because he didn't play. Um, if you had realized that and switched it to Zamir White, you would have hit, but you didn't. And so you switched it to A.J. Brown, anytime TD. Um, and, of course, you took the Pats Chiefs under, which did not hit either. Came close, but that one didn't hit either. So uh, after uh, 14, where are we at? After 15 weeks... Okay, I am now nine, nine and twenty-one, uh, and you are now twelve and eighteen. So I'm still three games back, but I'm no longer four games back, which is good. Um, so would you like to give your uh, your prop bets uh, for week sixteen? Yeah, I'm gonna keep it simple and quick here because um, I don't have a lot of thinking behind it. I'm just going based on vibes. Give me like a Tyler it. Higby anytime touchdown. For the Rams in that game, and give me Lamar Jackson over 215 and a half passing yards in the Monday night Christmas game, which I'm very excited for. That should be a fantastic game. Do you say 215 and a half? Yep. Over 215 and a half. You got it. Love it. That those are great. I'm excited about that Ravens game. It's gonna be a lot of fun. That Ravens game's gonna be a lot of fun. All right. So I am doing uh what you normally do and going with the Thursday night game. Although you have a Thursday night game too. So uh, there you go. So I I took a page out of your book. I'm going with Kyron Williams over 16 and a half uh, receiving yards. Okay. And I went totally off the board on the the second one just because I think it'll be really fun. I'm going Easton Stick over 210 passing yards. (laughs) So he had a big game last week. 
threw for a ton of yards. He had some really bad plays, but had the Chargers play? as well. Uh, the Chargers are playing Is the Bills. I think it's the Bills. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Bills defense to me. I mean, the Bills are fine, but the Bills defense is a little bit. It's a little Swiss cheesy, um, and so I do think that they can take advantage of the Bills just a bit. So yeah, we'll. I would. I would go the under there. So that's a that's a bold pick, Pat. But, I like uh, it. I like yeah. it. Should do. I'm excited about trivia it. question. I want to see it. I'm excited about it. And then let's let's get into that trivia question. All righty. Uh, for for anybody who's uh, a repeat viewer here, you know what's going on for the new ones. We do a trivia question at the end of every episode. If you answer it correctly in the chat and you're the first to do it, you're going to get a chance to win something. I think our next drawing is going to be either after the regular season or after the Super Bowl. We haven't decided when it's going to be yet. Um, so last week's question was in New England's last win over the Chiefs, which Patriots scored the game's final two touchdowns to secure the win? That was Rex Burkhead. Dark Blue Gold was on it first. He had a touchdown late in regulation to take the lead and then the game-winning touchdown in overtime. We're going a little Patriots-Broncos history here. We're going back to another cold night at Mile High back in 2003. Which Patriots punter was set to punt from New England's own end zone when Bill Belichick called for the intentional safety in the 03 game? We have a Monday night game out in Denver. Throw your answers out there for this one. This is a good one. That was an iconic game. I love that. That game was so much fun. What a game. What a a game and what a decision. Um, You know, it's just, just so good. So good. Um, by the way, and that's, uh, I, got, okay. I got a text from from my dad about uh, with with the uh, with the correct answer. So, oh my goodness! And I, and I think he was. I think he was the first uh, with the correct answer. Did he? Did uh, he beat my dad? <laughs> I, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> so wow. I don't know how he got it in, but he did get it in. He's the slowest typer of all time on his phone, but he did get it there. Uh, he got it there quick, so uh, I love it. He, his, I I I got the buzz. I looked down. I looked back up, and and then your dad's post was there, and I was like, oh, I was like, well, you must have beat it because it wasn't there when I looked down uh, for the buzz. So uh, sorry, is, Mr. Saint Jean, you uh, you missed out, that, sir. That is a bad beat right there. That's an <laughs> awful beat. Uh, but yeah, the uh, we will give the correct answer officially when you guys tune in next Wednesday night. Yes, um, yes, yes. But so yeah, had, you you're have, right. Lonnie Paxton was the long snapper. The question though was the punter was who was he, the punter. Was he the long snapper? I'm pretty sure. Because that yeah, was Paxton. the season that their their long snappers kept getting hurt Ooh, and they ended up with Kinchin in the point. Super Bowl. But I think Kinchin came in. I think Paxton didn't get hurt until the very end. But um, they had they had somebody before Kinchin, I thought. It's a good point. That's a good point. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. That's a great. While question. we wrap up the show, I'm going deep on Pro Football Reference to see how how good their uh, their long snapper knowledge is. I don't know. I, I think if you just look up Lonnie Paxton, it should tell you what games he played in. Even though he didn't record any stats, I, I don't know. Well, because they didn't do the snap tracking back then, so it's not going to tell you like right, which games right. he played in. Yeah, uh, I don't know. So yeah. Well, anyways, there you go. So, all right. Let's uh, while we're doing that, let's get into uh, let's get into this week in sports history. And uh, where's the music? Here it is. I got it. Uh, 
And now for something we think you'll really like. This week in sports history. All right, would you like to go, sir, or do you want me to go first? I'll take it. Why not? Uh, All right, do it. a fun one. On this day in 1981, Winnipeg Jets left winger Doug Smale set the NHL record by scoring just four seconds into Winnipeg's 5-4 win over the St. Louis Blues, the fastest goal scored from opening face-off to back of the net in NHL history. It has been tied twice since then. Brian Trottier and uh, Alex McGillney were the, the other guys that have tied that. But That's wild. Doug Smale, is, Doug Smale is a great name, too. And I tried to find a video clip of this, and I could not find one on YouTube. i got to dig a little deeper. It's interesting. That's it. you know what we got to do. We got to find the uh, the guy that um, who is it? There's a guy on TikTok, and it's like the craziest thing ever. But he has like he specializes in finding these like unknown games. So it'll be like there was a there was a hockey game playing in the background of NCIS season fifteen episode twenty two. What game is it? And he like goes through oh, and finds the game. I, so I was. I was actually watching one of these earlier, and I sent it to my dad, and apparently the link didn't work. So sorry about oh, that one, Dad. The guy but the is, video, it's incredible. It was, it was from The Office, uh, some baseball game in like the bar when they all go to watch The Office when it premieres right. in the show. And uh, the, the dude tracked it down, and it was some really, really obscure low-level college championship game from 2000. Not championship, random regular season game from 09 right. with footage on YouTube. Which That's is how insane. he found it. It's insane yeah. that this guy can do it. And so, But what's interesting about it is that they don't have to pay for the rights of it because – or they do, but like they have to pay almost nothing uh, yeah, for the rights of it good. because – you know, it doesn't make a difference. It's like who cares about some stupid college game, right? Whereas, like, it's not an actual NFL game because then they got to pay the NFL and all this other stuff. So, um, so that's kind of the idea uh, with that. All right, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up a little bit. I'm gonna go with tomorrow, uh, okay. which is December 21st instead of December 20th, and I'm gonna go all the way back to 1891. And that is when the first game of basketball, based on the rules created by James Naismith, was played by 18 students in Springfield, Massachusetts, all the way back in 1891 in uh, in Springfield. Um, and I'm also – I had a second one uh, also from the 21st in 1997 when Barry Sanders became the third player to rush for 2,000 yards in one season. Um, and so, and then of course would go on to retire the next year, never finished a year under a thousand yards rushing, uh, just one of the greatest running backs of all time. So, uh, interesting. Oh my goodness. And dark blue gold. He gets the quote of the night, dark blue gold with the, uh, with the, uh, event of the night. And then of course, Joe Namath back in 2003, that's 2003. I can't believe that. Had his uh, infamous I Want to Kiss You interview with Susie Colbert. Oh, my God. What an insane interview that was. Um, and Dr. Gold says that he's been sober ever since that incident. Vowed to give up drinking. A wise decision. A very I wise sure decision. Sure yeah. was. That was, a, uh, that, was, that was tough. That was really tough. Um, so Icon- Iconic moment right there. Uh, we were able to find the uh, – I believe Kinchin – my dad texted me and said Kinchin only played the Super Bowl, was, which, I, which I knew, and was, he did hurt his hand the night before. But the question is, this. did Lonnie Paxton play no, up until that point? So, so, yeah, Lonnie Paxton did. He was the snapper. 
He got injured in week 14. Their backup got injured and was done for the season the week after that. And that's when Kinchin came in, I think. Okay. So there you go. So yeah. Kinchin was there for more than one game. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, he, he then he almost, uh, what do you call it? I think he almost left at one point because of the pressure of the playoffs and not being ready for it. And it's a whole long Sports Illustrated piece on him that is fantastic. If you haven't read it, great read. Brian Kinchin, the long snapper in 2003. Google that. You'll find it. Yep, but uh, yeah, so he joined the team funny. with two regular seasons, uh, regular season games left in the season to continue their role throughout the playoffs. So there you go. Yep, and you think about how important he was to that playoff run. Yeah. Not even forget about the Super Bowl. the The Pats Titans game ended up coming down to a field goal, and then the Pats Colts AFC Championship. They kicked five field goals in that game. Yeah. You get 24 points, you know, the old fashioned way with five field goals, a touchdown, and a safety. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it adds up and you get there. <laughs> but now, huge uh, field goal is important in every single playoff game there. And you know, back up, back up, long snapper coming in to make those plays. Brian Pretty Kinch, wild. Legend. Pretty wild. So, anyways, well, there you go. Well, there you go. Well, this is a heck of a show, guys. Thank you for coming through. Thank you for Sophie, uh, to Sophie Weller for coming yeah. through. Appreciate go check it. Go check out her um, stuff. Yes, A to Z Sports is where she writes for. You can, of course, find her on Twitter. And it's just Sophie Weller. But again, she has two E's, two L's, of course, and two R's as well. So um, so there you go. So, yeah. So go uh, go check her stuff out. She's doing a great job over there. And, um, you know, and we appreciate her coming through. We we'll definitely have to come have her come on again as well. Um, so, and, uh, yeah, and we'll go from there. So thanks, guys. Thanks for thanks for coming through. We did mention this. I'm going to mention it to you again just as a reminder. Sunday night is Christmas Eve. Okay. We both have to be in bed so Santa Claus can come. We will mm-hmm. not be doing a reaction show, an instant reaction show. I kicked around the idea of asking if you wanted to do something at halftime instead of the end of the show. And then I was like, you know what? Let's let's just not. Let's just not do that. Um, and let's just go. So we're the plan right now is to go uh, on – Monday night, which is Christmas mm-hmm. night. So the 25th, we will go yes. and we'll do our instant, our, you know, quote unquote, instant reaction the night of the 25th. So that will be the 945 time that we normally do, but it'll be on Monday night instead of Sunday night. Yeah, um, so enjoy your, enjoy your Christmas dinner, yes. enjoy a cocktail or an eggnog or whatever, and then come hang out with us. That's right. I'll have to have time with the fam. I'll have to have some eggnog on air on that episode. I we Ugh. I just had a glass before this. I love little eggnog with nutmeg sprinkled on top. That is, yeah, I get I, it. I love that. I get it. And you know what? I'll tell you, Patriots for Christ. You're right. We will probably lose, but it's okay. We got to understand that there are better things coming, and we want to lose right now. Wins don't matter. Wins don't yeah. matter. Doesn't make a difference. We don't. We don't care yeah. about winning right now. We want to play well. We want the young guys to play well, and we don't want to build a losing culture. But at the same time, those wins the at the end of the season good. doesn't really matter. <laughs> so if the team, I, I don't want the team to to be good but lose games anyway. But this team isn't good, so let's just lose and exactly, oh. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. anyways, well, happy Merry Christmas to all of you that celebrate uh, Christmas out there. If you don't, maybe enjoy the weekend with your family and friends. Anyways, yeah, whatever you're up, if you're to. not celebrating and Christmas, we sa- appreciate safe it. travels to dark blue gold as well. That's right. New York City. That's right. It's exciting. So yeah. um, so we'll go from there and we'll we'll talk to you guys on Monday night and hope uh you know, hope Santa Claus is good to all you guys. I mean, you know, be uh it'll be fun. That's my favorite honestly, after you have kids, that's my favorite part is like 
Christmas morning. And of course, we all have that Fuck feeling. Yeah, what Santa got you Christmas, all, right? You all yeah. have that feeling of like Christmas morning and how and like some of the some of those moments where they come running down the stairs and they're all excited and it's it's the best. It's the absolute best. So uh enjoy that. And even now, I mean, 12, 10, and 7, they're still not that old, but like they're old enough that they're like excited, but not like they were when they were five or six, you know? So mm-hmm. um it's uh it's great. It's great. So enjoy it while you while you can. And so uh and so we'll go from there. So thanks everyone. We appreciate it. And uh and we'll talk to you guys Monday night.